Okay, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Nahmaduhu wa nasalli ala rasulihi al-kareem amma ba'd. We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala. We seek blessings on the Prophet, peace be upon him. And we are continuing with Surat al-Kahf, the cave. All right, the floor is yours. So today I'll be going over Ayat 22 to 31. Um, so a little bit of summary of Ayat 22. Um, in this Ayat, Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala tells people um, not to argue about the number of people who are in the cave um, because it's not important. Um, and this ayah begins with the word sayaqulun, which means some people will say. Um, and this refers to two groups of people. The first group is people who lived during the same time period as the Ashab al-Kahf. And the second group is um, a bunch of Christian groups during the time of the Prophet um, So some Christian groups claimed that there were three people in the cave. Some claimed that there were five and some claimed that there were seven. And after each of these numbers, um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refers to them as conjectures except for number seven. So uh, scholars say that number seven is likely the, the correct number of people who are in the cave. Um, and some scholars, um, and this is not from Sahih Hadith, but some scholars believe that they know the names of the people in the cave. Um, and these are Muqsalmina, uh, Tamlikha, Murtunis, Sanunis, Sarinunis, Duniwas, and Karas Lutliunis. And then in this ayat also, um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, which means, so don't argue about them except an apparent argumentation. And this serves two purposes. Number one, um, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says not to argue over what isn't necessary um, because there's no real gain in knowing the specific details. And number two, um, everything that's given in the Quran is sufficient. So it's there's no use arguing over something that's not of any importance. Um, so moving on to ayah 23 to 26, um, a brief summary. Um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, puts a reminder um, in these ayah to say inshallah when planning on doing anything. Um, there's also a mention of the duration of time that the people were in the cave. And there's a couple of reminders here. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminds people to um, remember that he knows best um, and that everything belongs to him. He sees and hears everything and uh, he doesn't share his authority with anyone. So in these ayat, there's a reminder to say inshallah when intending on doing something. And first and foremost, this reminder is to the Prophet um, Before Surah Al-Kahf was revealed, um, the Quraysh had asked the Prophet وسلم, three questions and um, he didn't have the answer to them. So he was waiting for wahi, but he didn't say that, um, he didn't say inshallah when he would tell them the next time. So for 15 days, he didn't receive any wahi um, and the Quraysh ridiculed the Prophet وسلم, But then after the 15th day, Angel Jibreel came to the Prophet وسلم, He gave him the wahi and um, reminded the Prophet وسلم, to say inshallah. And this reminder is also in the Quran. 
So saying inshallah, which means if Allah wills, is mustahab, which means it's recommended. And by saying this, we are invoking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's blessing. And it also serves as a reminder of our servitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when we look at the phrase, if Allah wills, every time that we say this phrase, we're reminding ourselves that it doesn't matter if we do everything in our power to make something happen. It won't happen until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wills it to happen. So every time we say that, it's a reminder that we are ultimately not in control. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is ultimately in control. So also in these ayat is the mention of the, dur the duration of um, how many years the people of the cave were sleeping. So in the ayat, it says, um, which literally translate to 300 years and added nine. Um, so the reason why it's not, um, you know, just 309 years or one number is because um, the 300 is in reference to the solar calendar, which was followed by Jews and Christians. And then 309, which is the 300 and added nine, refers to the lunar calendar, which is followed by Muslims. So in including the number as a phrase and not just one number, it's, it's giving a number to both groups who follow the solar calendar and the lunar calendar. And since every 100 years, um, 300 years are added for the lunar calendar, um, it sort of tells both groups an accurate uh, number of years in one phrase. And so the, the statement of where um, the number of the, of the length of how long they were in the cave is followed by the phrase, which means Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows how best how long they stayed. So the first statement is to just say the reality of the duration that they were in the cave. And the second statement warns people who try to challenge it or say that it's not true. Uh, moving on to ayat 27 to 31. In these ayat, there's a reminder that the Quran will remain unchanged from the time that it was revealed all the way till the day of judgment. Um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also reminds us to keep the company of the righteous and to not be caught up with the ranks of this world. Um, there's also a warning for those who don't believe and that there's a punishment in hellfire. And there's also the promise of reward for those who do good deeds in this life. So in Ayah 28, um, there's a reminder to be content in the company of the righteous people and to not overlook them in favor of others who might have a higher worldly ranking. And this ayat is in response to something that happened in the Prophet ﷺ's time. So the chief of Mecca was visiting the Prophet ﷺ. And when he visited him, a bunch of uh, Sahaba were sitting with the Prophet ﷺ. Um, and a lot of them were poor and they were dressed in tattered clothing. So the chief said to the Prophet ﷺ that these poor people were preventing more higher ranking people from visiting and listening to the Prophet ﷺ. So the chief told the Prophet to either remove these people from the gathering or to separate them somehow. So this ayat was sent in response to that um, sort of advice that the chief gave to the Prophet ﷺ. So Allah ﷻ said um, not only to 
keep those people, but to keep them close. Um, and this shows that the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is far more important than the high ranks of uh, anyone who is not um, as devoted to the faith as um, the Sahaba were. And also in these ayat is the reminder that sort of separating people based on worldly ranks is a form of discrimination and it's not tolerated in Islam. Uh, and finally, in these ayat, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about um, ornaments for the people of Jannah. And the specific thing mentioned here is that men will wear bracelets of gold and silk dresses. So in this life, men are not allowed to wear gold or silk. But um, these ayat say that um, in the hereafter, in Jannah, men will be permitted um, to wear these things in Jannah. So there's no restrictions. And these, th this ayat also serves as a reminder that um, this world's con constraints are not, um, they can't be used to compare to the afterlife. So whatever restrictions and constraints that we have in this life will not be applicable in the next life. Okay, very good, mashallah. So, so uh, adding just a, or a couple points or focusing on a couple of things that you mentioned. Uh, one uh, is the, the very important point of, of, of focusing on details when it's necessary to focus on details and not focusing on details when it's not necessary. When you're focusing on details when it's not necessary, that's sort of the sign of an idle mind. And when you have an idle mind, then you're far more susceptible to, to shaitan coming in and distracting you. This doesn't mean that people who were, who were focusing on the details that they were, that they were possessed by shaitan or anything like that, but it is a caution for, for, for us. And, and so this is especially relevant today. I don't remember if we talked about it last time, but especially relevant today in as fake news type things are uh, keep increasing. We have the, the need to verify information. Um, otherwise, we might turn against someone who we should not be turning against. And then on top of that, we often feel like we just have to have an opinion on every single issue. And the vast majority of issues that people debate and argue, usually we don't even need to have an opinion. Sometimes we don't even need to pay attention. And, and so think of like the big controversies. Did this person kill that person? Did this person abuse that person? I mean, our obligation is to Allah, is towards justice. Uh, but on most of these issues, usually they don't involve us. So more often than not, it's better uh, to not have an opinion. But at the very least, it's not necessary to have an opinion. And that's really, uh, it's always an important principle, but it's especially going to be an increasingly important principle. And, and, but like I said, it'll, it'll be there throughout time. And then, of course, inshallah, the goal a person wants to have is to always have inshallah on your tongue. And so anytime talking about anything related to the future, try to have inshallah on your tongue as a habit. And that, um, that uh, uh, also becomes a type of dhikr, right? So you when you think of dhikr and adhkar and such, we think of just reciting the names over and over again. And so even think about just having it on the tongue for the proper use. Likewise, mashallah, is another good thing to have on the tongue anytime anything has transpired, especially good news. Mm -hmm. Especially good news related to yourself or someone else as a way 
to also block out shaitan taking advantage of your jealousy, right? Mm-hmm. And so we're, we're, we're easily susceptible to jealousy and envy. And so anytime you hear anything good about anybody, mashallah, right? Even if, they don't, uh, if you're not saying it audibly, it's still a good thing to, to keep on your tongue. Inshallah about the future, mashallah about things that have transpired. And let's see, what else? And then this, this point you, you made at the end, um, actually two last points. One is if you keep your focus on the pleasure of Allah, then a consequence of that should be that you're not falling into the trap of stratifying society or, or putting people in classes and such. Right. And again, something that's obvious that everyone agrees with and everyone quotes it yesterday because yesterday was the anniversary of Malcolm X's death. Um, and that was a big part of his story, especially in the end. But it's something that people still fall into the trap of how by, by uh, elevating celebrities. And so... We do have uh, segregation in our community, especially in terms of the Muslim community in Chicago. Lots of segregation because Chicago itself is segregated, both in terms of racial ethnic lines as well as socioeconomic lines. And then, uh, but uh, one way we really do segregation uh, is by elevating our, our celebrities, whether they're celebrities like in sports or entertainment or they're celebrity preachers. And, and it's something to be very, very cautious of because we're elevating the mythology of those people as opposed to who those really people are. So often it's the assumption of Iman that they have as though it's higher than the Iman of your family member you know, or someone you know personally. So that's one thing uh, for all of us to keep in mind. And the last big point was... Uh, that there are there are limits in this world, and the example of that is okay. There's some things that men can't wear in 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 this world, whereas we'll have an abundance of that inshallah in paradise. And and so part of the design of this world is that in every direction, eventually there's a point of a limit. Mm-hmm. So the easiest point of limit is time, right? We all have a limited amount of time, and then you have a limited amount of energy and then a limited amount of resources. And so the struggle of Dean is to maximize in this dunya within those limits. And a lot of times the limits are not as close or as restrictive as we think they are. And a lot of times those limits are actually better for us. But at the minimum, minimum point, the benefit of the limits is to aspire to Jannah, which has no limits, and to avoid Jahannam, which has even more limits. Okay, okay, that was good. That was very, very good analysis, mashallah. So then next time, inshallah, we'll just continue along. Okay, inshallah. Uh, did you have any questions or anything for me? Um, yeah, I had a question about, like, like adhkar in general. Yeah. Like, does ayatul kursi count as adhkar, like if you say it over and over again? Yeah. I mean, adhkar is basically... Uh, uh, it's essentially any sort of remembrance of Allah. Okay. And the best remembrance of Allah is anything from the Quran. Okay. So then the best of the Quran is Ayat al-Kursi. So, so Ayat al-Kursi is probably at the very top. And then right underneath that is essentially Surah al-Ikhlas, which is in terms of general meaning, it's the same thing, right? Okay. Ayat al-Kursi is about Allah 
in Surah Al-Ikhlas is about Allah, but in particular meanings, obviously they're different. You know, mm-hmm. Al-Fatiha is one of the best of all the Azhar as well, Azhar as well. But as a principle, anything, um, any remembrance of Allah is, 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 is good. And the best of all those things, anything from the Quran. Second best would be anything from the Prophet, peace be upon him. Okay. Anything else? No. Okay. okay, very good, inshallah. So then we will continue this next week. Inshallah. <laughs> <laughs>